Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, and welcome back. I just want to remind you that you can get all of my homestead science books on my website for a new way of teaching agriculture to today's youth and aspiring homesteaders by focusing on small-scale farming and self-sufficiency. If you're a school or co-op, feel free and reach out to me directly to set up invoicing. All right, so I was all set to say that what a busy week it's been, and I realized I probably sound like a broken record. Our lives are busy, and the last couple of months have been really hard. So to fill you in a little on what has been going on with the Hanners, when we got home from our cross-country trip, we immediately caught every bug that was going around town. We got the stomach flu, we got strep throat, the littles got croup, and then my husband had to have an emergency surgery to have his gallbladder removed. I mean, and then to increase this crazy, we also butchered a 700-pound sow, and calving season started almost a month earlier than we were expecting. We are exhausted. Um, I have been uh, working on a YouTube video to show the whole butchering process, though. But between eight hours of footage and all the bugs that have been going through the house, I'm running a little behind. I will have a couple of uh, calving and milking videos popping up over the next few days. And I'm excited to share those with you guys. So make sure that you hop over and subscribe to my channel, The Homestead Education. So we recently started selling pork boxes off of our homestead and pay as you grow whole hogs. The pay as you grow is an option to make it really affordable with monthly payments for either a whole or half hog from the homestead. Once the hog is paid for, which is about six months, they go to the butcher of your choice and you only need to pay cut and wrap. This saves you from having to raise the pig yourself and needing to come up with a lump sum of money all at once. We have customers in Idaho, Washington, and Montana. So this is something that you're interested in. Please feel free and reach out to us at info at the Homestead Education. Now, from a business perspective and a really vulnerable side of it, in September, I had to make the really hard decision to part ways with a virtual management team that I was working with. With that, I've made some extremely positive changes for the business that I feel genuinely good, authentic, and I feel like they're really productive. With that, I've set aside a couple of projects that were really important to me, and that's been super hard on my heart. However, I now have a full-time employee, which she's actually been working for me for several months, who has been absolutely rocking helping me do the work of 12 people. With that, this leads me to today's guest and my business manager, Haley Patterson. She has been an amazing asset to my company and is also an aspiring homesteader. So she's coming on today um, to have those a talk about those first steps about what it is to become a homesteader. As a reminder, I won't be recording a second episode on a weekly basis anymore. Um, so we'll be doing a podcast or a podcast how-to style episode on our YouTube channel on Fridays. So check out my episode from a couple of weeks ago um, where I read I have a read aloud from the Homestead Education Story Series. I'll link that in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any updates. 
If you're interested in uh, learning or teaching your kids about horsemanship from a world record holding mounted archer, check out Brandy Van Holten's horsemanship course in the show notes. So everyone, here is Haley Patterson, my business manager. Welcome, Haley. Hello. So I invited Haley on today because we work together a lot of hours and we realized that while we're working, we are constantly chatting about our own personal goals and dreams and desires on our homesteads and or our future homesteads and realized that what we were talking about, somebody else would probably want to hear because there's some really good stuff there and uh, maybe we'll leave out some of the other stuff. But <laughs> do you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about you, Haley, so they learn a little bit about you and where you're coming from? Oh, yes. Okay. Um. Let's see. I have a three-year-old daughter. We live in town in Bonners Ferry. Um, I don't even, I think we have like maybe half an acre here. But I decided, so when we moved to Idaho, yeah, when we moved to Idaho, we wanted, you know, this big property, like, out in the woods, we wanted, it was the housing boom, and it was not a great time to buy a house. Um, Well, and that's actually So we ended up buying a house. So that's actually how I ended up meeting us. Yeah, I ended up meeting Haley and her family when I was working in real estate because I was trying to find a place for her father-in-law to move up here and be near them. Yes. That was a very interesting experience, basically trying to buy a house for her father-in-law without him here. (laughs) Yes. Yep. And we did the same thing, um, I don't know, a year prior to him buying, we bought Sight Unseen. Um, We did not have Cody as a realtor, so... Our house is not as great as his. <laughs> We're gonna flip this house at some point. I don't know. You're it's the goal. There. Yeah. We're we're close. We're getting closer. Um, but we're gonna flip this house and then we are our goal is to do a family homestead. Um so now we, what is a family homestead? So we are going to go in with my husband's niece. With Rick's niece, we're going to go in. They're going to come up from Montana. Um, They want out of Montana. So they're going to come up here. They're going to sell their house down there. And we are going to buy property. My goal is 10 acres. Um, Nobody else cares about the amount of land as long as it borders National Forest. But I think that that's just the pipe dream. Um, right. Well, I mean, National Forest makes it where you have lots of room for hunting and dirt biking and those types of things, but it does take away with from what you can personally do with your land. Yes. Yeah. Well, and all my husband cares about is the hunting. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, skip the homestead. Can we hunt? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think a so, lot of us have those um, challenges with our husbands. Yes. Yeah. I'm ready for season to be over although we discussed after this weekend um he was like I think I'm done and I was like yeah I think we just need to cut our losses on elk season and be done (laughs) it gets so expensive and especially being in town yeah he has to drive everywhere and gas prices and I'm just like I think that being done is the safest option for us right well I told someone the other day I said the reason my husband's liver is doing so well is 
because of stubborn wives and good food. So we just got to keep pushing them. Absolutely. <laughs> um. So, yeah. So our goal is a family homestead. Um. My problem is I'm very... I'm dreaming very big. <laughs> That's okay. And so I think like being brought back down to reality and the fact that I can't just have it all right now. And even when we get there, like I can't have it all in one day. Um, That's the hard, hard one that for me. My husband and I want to do everything yesterday. So. Mm-hmm. And I'm the same way. And I like, I want the big homestead and all of the animals and the giant garden and everything today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, we tried to do it all today. And yeah, it. I mean, when we first moved to our property, we had a few animals already that traveled with us. And we moved into like a perfect piece of property that like the garden beds were already ready to go. I just had to like, I literally dug up my tomatoes from Oregon and brought them up here and replanted them and got tomatoes off of them. So, but not everybody gets that. And there was still a lot that we had to do moving forward because I mean, that was just the ha- second half of summer one, you know? Yeah. And I mean, my husband was the type that like the goat looked at me sad or we should have dairy cows. And I'm like, you're insane. We are doing none of those things. Um, I'm the type that's like, if we're bringing an animal home, it has to have a job, a purpose. It needs to feed us or make us some form of income. And he's like, it's purposes that it's cute. (laughs) See, and that's how I am too. I'm like, I need like a little baby mini Highlander cow just because I don't want a dog. Like. So I can have a cow and it's like a dog, but it's not a dog. Well, I remember your husband's face the other day when you guys were talking about not having a dog. And I was like, well, you're going to need a dog to know if somebody's getting into your chicken coop. And he looked at me like totally straight faced and was like, we're getting chickens. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, mm-hmm. you haven't got that far yet. Okay. It's like, let's yes. just back off. <laughs> so, and actually in our, in our ambitions, to start our family homestead we have a group chat with his niece and we have a it's we call it the three-quarter rule and so her and I we are so on board to have every animal that you can have on a farm I mean old McDonald that is us I'm all about it our husbands (laughs) are not so on board because they know that they have to build the fences (laughs) Yes. So we implemented this like three quarter vote where, you know, I say, hey, let's get an alpaca. So I text her and I'm like, can we have alpacas? And she's like, I'm in. And then her husband responds and he's like, absolutely not. And then I looked at Rick and I was like, can we have alpacas? And he's like, maybe. I'm like, all right, three quarter, maybe like we can do this, you know, and then it was chickens and everybody was kind of all right with chickens because, you know, chickens are pretty low maintenance. Like they, they are and they, easier... you know, they get rid of a lot of kitchen scraps. They actually can save you some money. So, right. So like they're the starter animal. And like I love the chicken math because, you know, you get 12 chickens and then you end up with 300 chickens and seven cows. Like, Excellent. I'm all yes. about chicken math. And so I'm like, everybody was in with chickens. Cows are my favorite animal. 
Like that's, I, I will die with a million cows. I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but well, wait till you come up this week because I have a black baldy that like (laughs) snuggles now. It was born yesterday. I need it. (laughs) Um, so, you know, we've, we've, we've got a plan and we're, we're looking at property and right now it's a, it's a lot of dream property that we're looking at because Mm -hmm. it'll probably be at least another year before we're in the boat but that happens so fast though so yeah but you know we talk about all of these animals that we want and I'm like okay but can we have cows and alpacas like do they have to have separate living spaces like how do we utilize a homestead space and all the animals that we want or that we're you know we're daydreaming about mm-hmm. how do we make that all happen like you know is it are there animals that can companion together and you know live in the same pen you know absolutely i mean <laughs> it, it really is no and there's the companion animals and honestly i don't know of any animals that really can't live together the biggest thing you have to worry about is your breeding cycles right um so there are you know of course you want to have like a if you have like a boar or a bull on your property um you know you need to have separate pens if you don't want them breeding during certain times of the year so that you can separate them out um also you know two boars or two bulls could potentially fight so um that needs to be watched but pretty much other than that most of them will pasture really great together See, and I think that that, like, just thank you for, like, settling my nerves on that. Because I'm like, <laughs> we're going to have a million pens for all of our animals and no room for a garden. <laughs> so what you do need to look at is having your fencing match the fencing of the naughtiest animal. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So, like, if you have goats, you need to have watertight fencing because they're liquid. I don't, goats kind of scare me. I've never thought about goats. That hasn't come up in our votes. Well, maybe that's a good thing, but I mean, and take this, I love goats. Like I would love to have a huge herd of boar goats. They're great for meat and they look like puppies when they're born. They are just adorable, but goats weren't in our cards. Like we tried it and it wasn't right for us right now. I don't know. I'm not even saying goats aren't coming back into the picture because, you know, I mean, you know, some of our plans where we're looking at the store in the spring and we want to have a little bit more. Um, of things for people to do when they drive the 45 minutes to our store so we are looking at like a small petting zoo which could very easily include some nigerian goats like the little ones oh yeah the dwarf goats are cute like Mm -hmm. and you can help them too like they give a lot of milk for their size oh really okay Mm -hmm. and you know like uh, my favorite story right now is i want an alpaca and i'm usually the one that's like nope not unless it has you know, a job. And my husband goes, <laughs> you can have an alpaca if you build the fence. And I'm like, mm, no, that's not how this is going to go. <laughs> so he no. decided he wanted a bull. And so he went and bought this bull. And I informed him that, you know, once everybody's bred, we might need to consider putting this bull in another pin because we don't want him breeding our beef girls. And he's like, oh, then I'll have to build a fence for him. And I'm like, yeah. And then my alpaca can live with him. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So we've been referring to our future alpaca as the emotional support alpaca. For I, our you know <laughs> what? Ferdinand, the movie. Yes. Yeah. They have the, I think it's a goat in that movie, but 
Yeah. Although I did have someone tell me this weekend that alpacas need a second alpaca. Like they can't just be friendly with a bull. Oh my gosh. I was there for that conversation. Yeah. So yes. we, I might just need two alpacas and that's just going to be how it is. But and you can breed them. And then by the time there's a baby, I can have the baby. A little baby Kriya. But um, I mean, and I'm excited about it because, you know, not only are our packas really cute and sweet, they can also be in my petting zoo. They can be emotional support for my bull. And when I shear them every year, we can make um, those wool balls for our dryers and sell them in the store. Oh, my God. I love wool dryers. Bam. He has a use. He has a use. <laughs> wool dryer balls are my favorite. I will never go back. Oh, No. Um, I think I have one of your dryer balls. Oh, okay. <laughs> I keep eight in my dryer at all times. And I counted them the other day. And I was like, oh, there are seven. And then I was like, well, I also have a toddler that likes to open my yeah. dryer and use them as toys. So. <laughs> no, I was folding the swag shirts at the conference and a wool ball flew out and went across the conference room. So. Oh, that's mine. Yep. Sorry. Right, throw it in the wash. <laughs> It'll be fine. Yeah. You don't want it in my wash. Okay, well, <laughs> I'll pick it up and throw it in my wash. I think all of mine need a wash right now anyways. Well, there you go. They get a little staticky eventually. Yeah, we've been out um, like dealing with the calf and like all my clothes are covered in like colostrum and stuff. So yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, please don't run mine. <laughs> no, it'll just I'll leave it with the conference gear until you come get it. <laughs> um. Okay, so let's talk animal butchering yes i don't love it like i've okay we are hunters and mm -hmm. i am all about like you respect your food and we hunt to eat and that is what we survive on you know typically we did the pig with you guys mm -hmm. and i just like how do you separate your pets from your butcher animals is that a, my so when i was growing up my grandma did that my grandma mm -hmm. had a cow and she bred you know bred her every year and there you know for a meat you know the baby from the cow was meat mm -hmm. you raise the baby we eat the baby but that was her cow and you know for several years mm -hmm. um but how do you i mean how, how do you choose like this one's my pet and i'm gonna keep it and then this one is my meat and i'm gonna eat this for dinner how do you separate like, that emotional attachment because i can't do it <laughs> it's a really common question and it's something that you know the way i grew up like nobody was pet um even like our hunting dogs, like we, my dad raised hunting dogs. We had like 30 or 40 at a time. And even those, like they weren't pets. Like we didn't pet them. We didn't love on them. The only time they got praise is when they did good while hunting. Um, So I kind of like grew up with that separation because then we had a dog in the house that was the dog you pet. And then we mm -hmm. had dogs. And so I even, I learned that separation all the way down mm -hmm. to dogs that are normally something that you pet no matter or you know that are your pets and right. friendly with from day one you know but what I've found on our homestead and what I teach our kids 
is um, we name our friends, not our food. So we generally do not name anything that we plan on eating. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, you know, like we have this uh, new heifer calf right now. I don't see us keeping her for breeding because she's kind of a weird crossbreed, but she's not off the table for keeping. So the kids are calling her pumpkin, but honestly, in another year, she might be on the, you know, and actually for her, it'd be almost two years. She'd be on the butcher block. And I'm, I'm okay with that because I have it in my head right off the bat before this calf was ever born, before we knew if it was a boy or a girl or anything, that this calf was going to be our beef calf, Mm -hmm. like the beef for our family because we milk her mom and that that's our cow that we milk and she's our friend. Whereas we have two Angus heifers that whatever they calve, I know we'll either we're either going to sell for beef or we're going to sell as steers like to 4-H kids. So I know that those aren't animal those aren't animals that are going to stay with us. So even though like I was, you know, on the ground in the barn last night snuggling this calf trying to keep it warm and I loved every second of it and I have all these cute little videos of him like sniffing the phone and like it's adorable with the giant eyelashes. He's a cute calf. By the time he, we're ready to butcher him, if he stays on the property, I'll probably be so annoyed with his antics. I'll be happy to see him go. <laughs> and that's just usually how it goes. Right. Um, with our pigs, we have so many, like we have our sows. Those are our babies. We go out there and we hand feed them eggs and they're, they get loves and snuggles and they're named and they all have these personalities and we don't, you either don't butcher them or we don't plan to butcher them. Whereas mm-hmm. every piglet they have, we know is going into the food system, whether it's for us or for right. kids or occasionally we'll, there'll be like a really nice guilt that comes out of it or something. And we're like, Oh, let's go ahead and keep her for breeding. But our plan is that every piglet born is going for food. So you, we can still enjoy when they're little and cute. Cause it's still fun, but we just know right off the bat that they're never somebody that we're going to be keeping. Um, now when you guys were at the house, we butchered a sow, Mm -hmm. the sow we've had her since she was a piglet. Like we raised her completely on the farm. We bought her as a piglet and, um, but after killing three letter litters and then getting very aggressive, aggressive with both my husband and my son who feeds and 700 pounds getting aggressive with a 14 year old boy, he's, she's done. Like I have no, I had no desire to keep her any longer. And didn't have any sad feelings about butchering her. I was like, you are going to be a positive in our freezer. (laughs) Yeah. And she's delicious. She is Um. delicious. (laughs) I think we've ate pork. So good. Probably every other night since we butchered. Oh, my gosh. Um, I actually just took out a pack of sausage this morning and I was like I'm gonna make this into like pre-made sausage patties for breakfast sandwiches because nice like I know I have it so now an egg just isn't good enough (laughs) right I actually did that yesterday I did the flat packages and put them right into the electric skillet and cooked them until they were ready to flip and then cut them up with um the spatula into eight pieces Mm. And they were like perfect squares for my breakfast sandwiches. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. But I mean, I do have to tell you the I was a little disappointed with the pork chops. Okay. Rick was too. And I just, Okay. Yeah. I didn't I know if you like... guys had had a chance to eat any yet. So they were a little tough. I didn't mind the flavor, but they're they were a little on the tough side. But that's because she was probably about a three-year-old sow. 
three to four year old sow. Mm-hmm. So um, that not all is lost though. Slow cook them. Yeah. Well, I decided that I'm a big pork fried rice person. Mm-hmm. So I think that because you cut them up so small for pork fried rice that they yeah. don't have the opportunity to be tough. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, we'll we just dedicate those. Yeah, we do a lot as um, like in the crock pot with like a soup or something over it, or another mm-hmm. one um, carnitas in the pressure cooker. Oh yeah, me. Yeah. So, you know, but we owe you some bacon, and it is good. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, Ron smoked and I'm so excited for the bacon. Like that's what like, was it, thirty pounds of bacon or something like that? And it is delicious. It's a lot. Yeah, we're having some on um, loaded baked potatoes tonight. Ooh, yummy. I yeah. Too. So, I mean, I think we kind of got off track, but at the same time, being a homesteader <laughs> has a lot to do with being in the kitchen and everything you can do. I mean, one of the, the next probably biggest question I get is I would love to buy a whole hog or I'd love to buy a whole chicken or, you know, whatever, or we want a butcher, but we don't know what to do with all of that product. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, I mean, so that's a really great leeway into the, that next conversation of everything that even we did with this sow. Yeah. Well, and so like for me, butchering, once I can get past the emotional part of it, mm-hmm. like I, I love to be in the kitchen and I love, and this is a big reason why, you know, it's not why we're big hunters. We're big hunters just because my husband because we love to hunt <laughs> but yes <laughs> but i love that we we eat so much game meat mm-hmm. because i don't ever stress about feeding that to my toddler or where is this actually coming from mm-hmm. and you know and i see on facebook all the time people are like how do you get past the flavor and i'm like if we cook beef that's weird for me like beef tastes weird now that yeah, we've yeah. been so many years on. Well, yeah. And we're like primarily on grass fed beef at this point, which is really similar to elk. Yeah. On elk and deer meat. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I cooked the most delicious turkey this year for Thanksgiving. Mm. And my father-in-law took that one out of his front yard. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for selling the cabin. <laughs> Um, no problem. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, everybody was kind of nervous. They were like, oh, you know, wild turkeys kind of taste funny. <clears throat> and I cooked it and it was the like hands down the most delicious turkey any of us sitting at that table had ever eaten. It's all about the and moisture. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. And it was so, I mean, just flavorful and, you know, and so for me, I'm like, how do you not want to eat the freshest of food Mm -hmm. like i can't i want to cook that way and Mm -hmm. i want to eat that way and it's so much better for my family it you know it has changed my mindset so much and you know that getting past the butchering part you know when we're hunting we're out there for the sport of hunting so then when you take that meat home you're like yeah this is the reward from my sport where I get like on the homestead, it can be a little bit harder. One thing, most of the time, I don't go up to the barn for butcher or for slaughter. The guys mm-hmm. do that. And then they bring it back. And to me, once the hide is off, they're just handing me a piece of meat. 
and to, you know, process Mm -hmm. or do whatever we do with it. So that really takes that emotional piece out of it. And, you know, a lot of people, there are options of having like a friend or a family member, or even like a mobile slaughter come handle that for you. Um, you can even have like okay, the let me add that to my notes. Don't yeah. do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you can even have mobile slaughter, like come to the house. Like if you have a cow that you're like, we don't have the means to be able to like clean this cow and skin it because we can't, you know, hoist it up or whatever. You can have mobile slaughter come, take it to the butcher shop and they cut it into primals. And then you just go pick it up like in your primal cuts, which is about eight large hunks of meat. Okay. So, and I think, it would, I mean, it costs you next to nothing. I mean, maybe 150 bucks or something. Um, I actually love that because. <laughs> right. Now, when it comes to your chickens and rabbits, <laughs> like. And I almost feel like that's. A little bit of a delay. Um, When it comes to your chickens and rabbits, that's one that. You buy a group of chickens that are for butcher and that's just it. That, I mean, they're for a butcher. And honestly, like if you get Cornish crosses, they're so nasty. You're happy to see them go. You're like, bye, Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> so separate chicken eggs and meat. Yeah. Chicken eggs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Laying hens and yep. meat. Birds. Yeah. No, and, and with those... I I feel like, you know, you put them in the cones and you like, you know, chop their necks and stuff. And it's just a little different. Like there's that separation, like once you're slipping them in a cone and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's still another one that I'll go out and help, but I'm not the one doing most of that. The guys are, and then they bring them in. Actually, Rhonda's chickens start to finish. Like I don't even mess with them. You just make the broth. I make all the yummies. That's my job. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But, you know, he was like, um, all excited okay. when he married this girl that had a dad as a hunting guide. And I'm like, oh, no, you're touching the raw meat. <laughs> I don't do that. I, I totally do it. But, you know, like, I'll tell you what, if you can handle that while I handle something else, like, we're, we're solid. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. That's, you know, I, uh, I've decided that cutting up deer is now my chore. Like, mm-hmm. you go out. You sit in the cold. You bring me the deer. I will cut the meat. <laughs> right. Which we had so much fun with that sausage. I mean, what did we end up with? Like 400 pounds of sausage? Oh, something like that. Yeah. yeah. It filled an entire freezer in my house. Yeah. And that was just your part that you took home. Yeah. And we still between us have like another 100 pounds of fat that we can render for lard or use it for sausage and like doing ground venison and stuff. I know I'm I have to go buy more jars so that I can have a render day at my house because I need that freezer space. Yeah. I know we need to render a bunch too. The freezer space and because we're getting ready to take lambs in to be butchered in a month and then a week later another bull or another uh butcher hog in. So mm-hmm. I am out of freezer space. <laughs> yeah. It's and their freezers are expensive. So I'm like, how else can we? I, I'm i going to start canning some meat, I think. I would. I love I'm, canned ground meat. in the snow. Like the sausages, like especially the plain bulk sausage we did. Um, Fry that up with just some salt and pepper and can it. And it turns out amazing. And then like on taco night or whatever, you can just dump and you're ready to go. Yes. 
the kids like that too i love that i i love like the quick and get it done dinners because i don't i don't want to be in the kitchen for 12 hours in a day yeah well some days i do I think that's another question, you know, another like topic that I get a lot of time with, you know, people who are going to homesteading or the home cooking is how much time they think that they need to spend in their kitchen. And that is not the case. Um, I feel like for me, when I, when we brought out, when we brought in all of the garden stuff, my Mm -hmm. mom and my sister came up. Okay. And mind you, like we live on a half acre. I had this tiny garden. And my father-in-law bought me a book on square foot gardening. So I was like, heck yes, we're going to do this. I'm going to get like the most bang for my buck here. So I do this square foot garden. Um, I had so much stuff come out of my garden. Good for you. Insane amounts of vegetables. And my mom and my sister came up and we spent an entire weekend like around the clock all weekend canning vegetables Mm -hmm. and tomato sauce and spaghetti sauce and oh my gosh green beans out your ears (laughs) and I was just like I like this much in vegetables out of my tiny garden I can't even imagine what a big garden is gonna look like and I'm so excited for it yeah. So a couple tricks on that. One is like, okay, you guys spent all weekend doing it, but now you have spaghetti sauce for the year. Uh, yeah. Like you have dump meals for the next year. Like, yes. so that's awesome. Now what we do, cause you know, you know how busy our lives are like, holy crud, half the time we don't have time for anything. And we have those two huge gardens from the time gardening season starts. My canning stuff does not leave my kitchen Island. Yeah. It is always there. Now I have a day where I'm like, okay, it's Saturday. I'm going to get up and I'm just going to can, you know, I I have an obscene amount of tomatoes. I need to can all day. Now on the flip side, if we like take the afternoon and go huckleberry picking or something, when we come home, I immediately do a batch of huckleberry syrup. Mm -hmm. Like I don't make it a canning day. I can as we go. So if I have enough for a batch, I'm doing it all right then. That's a good theory. Um, anything with the freezing and stuff too, like I'll bring a bunch of stuff in and we're like, oh, we're making fries tonight. Like, or we do zucchini fries is one of them mm-hmm. we do a lot. Like we're making fries tonight. Like the kids will sit there for the next like hour and a half and make zucchini fries. We only need like five minutes worth of fries. We freeze the rest. Yeah. See, and I freeze all my berries. We did an astronomical amount of picking this year. And I was so excited about it. But we are not like jelly people. We don't do a lot of jelly. And mm-hmm. I'm not really a syrup person. And so a lot of my berries are for baking. Okay. So I have actually it's my fridge freezer is entirely packed full of berries. And I'm debating like I'm really debating dehydrating some of them. Mm-hmm. Just to see how it goes. Just to see how they rehydrate. I mean, you know, we if have you raspberries dehydrate in there. Blueberries? If we you didn't... dehydrate like blue- blueberries or huckleberries or something, and then get a blueberry powder, you can make your own oatmeal packets. Oh, gosh, that's ingenious. 
We, yeah, we didn't do blueberries this year, but we did um, the you pick raspberry farm mm-hmm. three separate times. I have no idea why, what possessed me, why I thought that was a good idea. So I know you say you aren't a syrup person. Do you know what I would do with that? I would make a ton of syrup and put it in my iced tea. Oh, you know, I could do that with raspberries. But we do it with huckleberries too. I feel like if you don't bake with your huckleberries, you're just wasting them. So okay, here's another thing I do. When I make uh juice with my huckleberries, what's left over, I take part of it and I make a um like well, basically all of it. I make like a compote type thing where I add like uh cornstarch and some sugar and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I either put it over yogurt or use it as a topping for my huckleberry ice cream. That would be good. So then, I mean, I definitely bake with my huckleberries and stuff, but the stuff that I do want to make, I'm using every last bit of those huckleberries. You're broadening my horizons a little bit. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, an astronomical amount of, and I'm, I feel super grateful because we do have an astronomical amount of food this year from the garden and spending all summer picking and um, the pig and, you know, just everything. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those ones where my freezers are full, so I don't have to like that helps my bank account a lot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going into some of these seasons that we're going into where we're already seeing sugar shortages this year, um, Tyson Foods just euthanized 34,000 birds oh on my gosh, farms. I saw that. And that's, Ugh. I know, they have, they shut down five plants. The two farms where they euthanized are only a fraction of what goes into one of those plants. So that many birds are being euthanized and they won't let them go out into the local food systems because of it's a you know food safety hazard. They are already setting us up for another 2020. I know it's it makes me sick to think about. And I think. OK, so I became a mom in COVID era. So <laughs> my daughter was born in 2020 and by the way guys her daughter is what three weeks younger Mm -hmm. than branch my little terrorist branch so they're a fun pair (laughs) (laughs) they're great um but when I tell you that 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 COVID shortage was the most terrifying thing I've ever been through Mm -hmm. it this is that is why (laughs) That is why I want this homestead. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just strictly the COVID shortage is why I need a homestead. That was traumatizing and like caused a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. Like you're not alone. Well, and you know, I don't think it would have been so traumatizing if it wasn't already like a peak moment in my life. Yeah. Join motherhood. You know, we moved. Here's a baby. After. You have nothing to give it. <laughs> Yeah, we yeah, yeah. Here's a baby. Good luck finding diapers. Um, <laughs> you know, we moved shortly after I had Huntley from Colorado up to Idaho. Um, 
you know, so COVID was rough and the now it's funny because my family teases me. They call me the little house on the prairie girl. That's it. Good. Not a, I don't even have a name anymore. Just the little house on the prairie girl. I'll just call you Laura. <laughs> I, you know, and I'm like, I'm okay with that, honestly, mm-hmm. because I will sit here and make my sandwich bread and turn around and make a loaf of sourdough and pull pork that we butchered out of my freezer and right. have dinner and I'm good. <laughs> you know, we did that the other night. I made, well, I made breakfast sandwiches for dinner because we're obsessed with our pork right now, <laughs> yeah. but it was breakfast sandwiches. I made homemade biscuits. The eggs were out of our garden. I fried the eggs in lard from another pig. The only thing I had bought was cheese. Yeah. And it just felt good. And you feel a different sense of accomplishment and like mm-hmm. power, not power. I don't know if this is the right word, but like control control is a bad word too. I don't know. I, but I do feel like it is empowering. Like mm-hmm. it is, there is a sense of power there because I don't need you. I mean, we went to Walmart mm-hmm. today and this is the first time I've been I don't know. In a while. I I don't even leave town ever. Right. You know, I there's no point. But we went to Walmart today and the chaos that I mean just walking into Walmart and the anxiety that I felt, I take me home. Mm-hmm. I I will <laughs> I will make Christmas presents this year. We don't need to buy. <laughs> <laughs> I will right. make something because I I don't even want to be in the stores. Mm-hmm. I don't. So and then you know we were talking about grocery shopping while we were there, and I was no thank you, nope I'm good. Yeah, we don't we don't need groceries. I know we do sometimes when we're down there, but I mean when we have four kids versus your guys's one, you know, like sometimes we just yeah. need to be able to buy bulk sizes. <laughs> you right? Yeah. No, and I get that. And or the fact that my children think that socks are one-time use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're they're spreading that trait into my home. I have a million missing socks now. I I told my older ones I'm gonna start making you like knit socks and then maybe <laughs> you won't lose them. Seriously. Uh mine ran around the other day though with her Christmas stocking on her foot. Um and There's she that. thought that that was a very warm sock, so I, it's fine. <laughs> you know, the, that conversation of everybody calling you like the little house on the prairie girl. I think that that's a big issue that our generation is facing right now. Like not that we're being called that because that's positive. <laughs> that, that That's a compliment. But the fact that like our parents and stuff don't understand what we're doing. Yes. Because them and our like our grandparents, even some of our great grandparents were sold convenience. Mm hmm. And they think we're crazy for what we do. And I mean, remember this conversation with my mother-in-law shortly after she moved up here. So, I mean, you and most of my listeners know the story of my husband's liver disease. So it's like, I do everything from scratch that I can for him to help him heal. And I was standing there, I was making sourdough, I think. 
And my mother-in-law is like, I've never had time for this type of stuff. It just seems like such a waste of time and just on and on and on. And I'm like, I'm literally doing this to save your son's life. So for one, if you could just go away, (laughs) but (laughs) on the flip side, I mean, I think it just really shows that lack of understanding of why we want to embrace such healthy foods, foods that like, you know, give us like true energy and true nutrition Versus everything that's come out of a box for the last several years or several generations. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. And so when I was a kid, we we lived on a farm with my grandma, with my grandparents. And she, you know, we had the chickens and the cows and pigs and uh, pigs have me traumatized. I don't think I can ever own one. Um, Whole nother story. But. <laughs> But we, you know, we're gonna have to change that because you know you work for a pig farmer, so we might just have to plop you down in a pen with a bunch of piglets and see what happens. The babies are fine; it's the big ones. They're <laughs> like all the the big, the large adult sized pigs are out to get me. Um, you cannot convince me otherwise. Um, but I grew up with that, and then as I became a teenager, and my grandma passed away, and you know, those things stopped, you know, there was no more garden, there was no more animals, like, it went away, it disappeared. And then you get on the bandwagon of, it's just easier to go to the grocery store, or, Mm -hmm. you know, I survived my early 20s, I think with one pan in my kitchen, I ate out every meal. Mm -hmm. And now... I'd like get off work on a Friday and go get like a take and bake pizza. And that's what I would eat for the next three days. Yes. Yes. Um, Subway sandwiches. You can cut those into fourths. And, (laughs) you know, when I was 21, a fourth of that sandwich was all I needed. Um, That was dinner. But it now I'm at a point in my life where, you know, I'll order pizza every once in a while. But. I could make that pizza and it's less expensive and it Mm -hmm. probably tastes better. So, you know, or bread. I don't, I, you can't convince me to eat store-bought bread right now. You can't. I'm like scared of what is in store-bought bread at this point. And it's hard, like Branch making himself seven sandwiches a day. I can't keep up with that with the baking. Yeah. But other than branches, peanut butter and jelly is like all day long. We pretty much do our own bread because I am not touching that stuff. Yeah. Um, I'll have to send you my bread recipe because Huntley makes my bread. I don't even bake my oh, bread anymore. That's... The only thing I do is put it in the oven. Savannah um, usually does our bread and we can we can crank it out. Yeah. It's just branches affinity to um like seven layer honey sandwiches that he's going to microwave and then eat in the dryer. So yes. Um, yeah, <laughs> can no, do that I was with- actually really impressed that I, I actually tweaked a recipe that I found online uh-huh. Um, for bread. I tweaked it because I didn't love the consistency when it came out. So I just changed the recipe and it is a literal five ingredient bread recipe and start to finish. My three-year-old does it. Nice. Yeah, like I do mine in the bread machine and pull it before the bake mm-hmm. cycle and then put it in the oven. And it's like I start it and don't even have to, I like it takes me all of like my own time, maybe five minutes. Yeah. 
Nope. I set out all of the ingredients. I pre-measure everything because she's three. Uh But I set out all the ingredients. And from start to finish, she makes my bread. Nice. And But honestly, you know, aside from the fact that I don't have to do that, I love that I'm teaching her Mm -hmm. at three that she's feeding our family. Yeah. Branch made two pounds of butter the other day with the butter churn. Yeah, I know. I'm so proud of him. I know he was and he was so proud of himself too. Like he thought that was the best. <laughs> it was the bee's knees. Yeah. And now he's gonna get bored of it now that the cows in milk because they're gonna be like, Ranch, we need you to make two pounds a day. <laughs> Just I'll I'll bring Huntley over and they can take turns. There and we then go. and then I'll be like, Oh, that's Huntley's butter. That goes home with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, cream cheese is the next on my list. Because I have mastered homemade bagels, um, and we are a bagel family. Uh-huh. Um, that's what Huntley eats, like, three meals a day is bagels. Nice. Um, so now I have to figure out how to make the cream cheese, because I can make the bagels. <laughs> well, now that Bailey's in milk, I'll have a lot of milk to practice with, so we'll get in the kitchen and figure it out. Yes. Because I've tried it a couple times, and it turned out smelling really bad, so I did something wrong, but... We're going to keep giving it a shot. See, and dairy used to scare me. And now I'm like, I need a cow. I need mm-hmm. the milk. It used to scare me too. I was a food safety specialist for years. So I was the person out there being like, no, you're crazy to feed your child raw milk. And now I'm like, you're crazy that you're feeding your child store-bought milk. So, <laughs> all right. So we're kind of getting to the end of our time, but what's like one actionable step that you're like ready for, but don't know. Like, it's just been, like, eating at you or something. Um, I think it's the planning. I think yeah. that, like, maintaining reality while I dream. Like, how do you, yeah. how do you plan all of these things in a realistic way? Speaking of three-year-olds, did you get back from the barn, buddy? Yeah. yeah. What up, Branch? Did you milk my cow? Okay, good. Did you feed the baby? No. No? Dad fed the baby? No. Oh. Did did you guys give the baby a bottle? Yeah. (laughs) Hi, Branch. Hi. Hi. All right. Say bye to Miss Haley. Bye. Bye, buddy. Okay. He busts into lots of those. It's his job. Right. So, yeah, just your the planning stage and not trying to get ahead of yourself. Yeah. Like, how do you make it? How do you... I mean, I guess, like, is it something that you have to... <sighs> be there before you can plan it or not necessarily um you know you're doing a lot of the things already so you're going to be really good at the kitchen part when you move in and the garden part and stuff because I mean that's one that like everybody tries to move on to a homestead and they're going to have the cow and they're going to have the pigs and they're going to have the chickens and they're going to have the goats and then they're going to have the garden and the orchard and then they're going to bake all their own bread and they get so overwhelmed they burn out super fast yeah 
<clears throat> so when making bread is already part of your day, when you already know how to have a weekend party and can everything out of your garden for the year, those are the things that are just going to be, that's life. And then you're just adding on how to do the bigger garden or, you know, how to learn with animals. So I would, you know, while you're looking at properties, really look for properties that have, you know, some sort of fencing or outbuildings already that you can try to um, either be able to use right away or um, like retrofit to work right away. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, some little funky shed like could make a great chicken coop right off the bat. Right. Um, You know, if you a lot of their, a lot of the equipment is expensive. If there's things that you know, you're going to get, like if you're on the fence about a milk cow, don't save up for a milker right now. <laughs> but if you're yeah. like, no, we already know we're getting chickens and that's a done deal. Like if you happen to catch some equipment, chicken, like waterers and those types of things on sale, pick them up if you can afford them, you know, just start like planning on that type of stuff. So that, like your finances are in line it, and so then when you get there and when you are ready, you can be like, okay, my chicken coop is ready. I just need birds for it. Um, <clears throat> on the flip side, also plan um, like based on what time of the year you're going to be moving in. And you may not know that, but like I have this really great book that I've used over the years. Of course, I can't find it right now. It's called like the Homestead Planner or something. It's, you know, published mm -hmm. by Storybooks. Um, it doesn't have everything you need, but it has a really great outline of how to do everything seasonally. Okay. And it makes you kind of think about some stuff, you know, like it even tells you when to cut your firewood and those types of things. So no matter what season you end up moving on to this piece of property, you can jump right in and make sure that you don't come spring, like, you know, you move in late fall and you're like, well, there's nothing we can do. And then come spring, you're like, oh man, I could have done all of this stuff or I should have been doing all this stuff. Yeah. So a book like that might really help to be planning in advance. That's really great to know because um, anybody that knows me knows that I'm late to the party every time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll make sure I link that book in the show notes because I'm sure other people will be excited for that one as well. It's helped us over the years. Um, also with that whole husband getting on board thing. Um, my husband could not understand an agrarian calendar to save his life, nor can he still. Which an agrarian calendar is that if you want, you know, calves in the spring, you have to breed the summer before. Mm -hmm. my husband's like, we want calves in the spring. So we should probably start thinking about breeding them next spring. And I'm like, no, no, that's, you know, we do that in another order and having something like that, where you can teach, you know, your spouse, you know, maybe your cousin and her spouse who you haven't, you know, who maybe haven't worked on farms and stuff before. And as your kids are getting older, start teaching them out of that book as well. It'll make them understand that routine that goes into homestead life. Mm -hmm. Okay. I guess I'll so have to... Go Amazon shopping now. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so my favorite question for all my guests is what does keep growing mean to you? Oh man. And I knew I knew that you were gonna ask this too. You knew it. Um I should have been so prepared. like my assistant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally your Haley. Um Yes, and everybody you, needs a Haley. Yes, that's valid. <clears throat> um, even me sometimes. Um I just, I guess keep growing means to keep putting in the work because at some point 
the storm is going to be over and there's going to be a rainbow and your work is going to be that rainbow and it's just going to all be all right in the end, but it's not ever going to be okay if you don't work for it. I love that. You can't so, ever get anywhere without the work. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, Haley. I knew that this would just be a really fun conversation. Um, do you want people to be able to follow you? Oh, sure. Okay, where can they find you? Um, They can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Um, I will have to send you all of my stuff because I don't even have, I don't know it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'll, make I'll sure send link- that to you so you can link it. I'll make sure I link that in the show notes because Haley's a lot of fun and she does a lot of stuff with us. So she'd be a good one to follow as she's starting her homestead journey. Well, thank you and have a good one. You too. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, please head over to your favorite podcast player and leave a comment and review. This helps me to know what you're enjoying and helps others find an episode that can help them. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing!